Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project that I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. It was sort of like a weird thing to have success, but have the people who I want the cool kid points from not think it was a success. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Very excited about this next episode with Adam Leon. The first one was very inspirational and I know if you haven't listened to it yet, you're going to enjoy it. And if you already have, you know what I'm talking about. This guy's a really, really, really special, special man. Before I get started, please do me a favor. If you need to reach me, you can do so at Barry Katz at Instagram or Twitter or on my website at barrycats.com. And when I think about Adam Leon, I think about a guy who always had a dream of sharing the stories and the views from his lens of New York City his old stomping ground. And I think it's important to talk about that because, you know, we all start somewhere. We don't know <laughs> where we're going to be born, what part of the world we're going to come into. And we really have very little to do with it. And what I love about Adam, he's one of those guys who was born into a situation that he had no control over, like most of us. But instead of not really embracing it or not really understanding which way to go or how to move to the next level of your life, he had a vision growing up in Manhattan that he wanted to do something from there eventually in his career. He wanted to make something special. And he slowly worked towards that little by little, doing short films, doing larger projects, gaining momentum, doing great work with most likely the goal of doing something really, really special that depicted where he grew up in a way that he wanted to do it. 
not the way that others wanted to do it. And I think that's what really, really impresses me about him. He's calm, he's kind, he's generous, he's wonderful. And he's got a really, really great outlook on the world. And I think with that outlook and that determination and that persistence to get something made the way he wanted to get it made, allowed him to make Italian studies, his newest movie, something as special as it was. And for any writer, director, whenever you're involved in something where you're the person who first puts the pen on the paper, you're the one who visualizes how you want it, you see the actors that you believe could be in the places in the film that you want them to be. And you find the behind the scenes people or your team that are going to make it work and execute your vision to the highest level. And that's what Adam does. And I can guarantee you, if you can figure out a way to take your dreams and slowly, incrementally build them to a point where you can make them a reality and then put the pieces to the puzzle within that vision together, I can guarantee you, you'll have the possibility of having the kind of career that Adam Leone has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and Seaman. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You're fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Out of the air! Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. I want to talk to you about your film from just me, one guy in the world who watched your film. And I have questions. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I have questions. Because. Uh, <laughs> do you know that my other movies are like fun comedies <laughs> that like are very plotty and like really. And, and geography is like we map out the geography beat by beat. So this was really different for us. Yeah, I have so many thoughts. First of all, and I'm not just saying this to make you feel better or whatever. You're obviously a great writer and you're obviously a great director. So I'm putting all those things aside right now. But there's questions I have in no particular order that sort of had me thinking throughout the whole movie in terms of this identity and how certain times in this state, I don't want to give away the movie. There's certain moments where, you know, she says things like I'm a vegetarian mm -hmm. or don't touch me. But then other things where like, I don't know, I don't have any recollection of what. And I know probably you're going to say, well, people bury, people go in and out of things and whatever. But like about 20 minutes in, something really affected me more than anything else was the don't, don't, don't touch me. So it was like I was seeing the knife on the table in the horror movie. Mm -hmm. And then there was no murder. Mm -hmm. I never, I never 
where did that come from? Like, why would she be triggered by that, but not triggered by weed or something else? And, and you might say, well, Barry, when you're dealing in this world, it gives me a license. It gives me a license to go anywhere I want and nothing has to make sense because you're not living that life in that world. But to me, that trigger, it's always a trigger when a woman said, don't, don't touch me. And I want to know why in your and Vanessa's working on the story that was there and why it wasn't addressed, at least that I didn't see the rest of the movie. And that was something that sort of like stuck with me throughout. I'm like waiting for something to come back of why that was. And I was that's the first question I had to ask you. Yeah, I think that um, I think one of the challenges with the movie is that you can go anywhere. Uh, you know, it's just, it, ultimately it's a knock on the head movie. It's an Alice in Wonderland sort of movie. You know, she goes down through the looking glass and then you can go everywhere, but that's not going to be very helpful for us in terms of telling a story. So we wanted so we did have our story and we did have our beats and we did we worked both in prep and very early in the shooting on the parameters of of the character um and uh and vanessa did a ton of research on talking to actual psych psychiatrists and on and truly on memory loss and temporary memory, memory loss i think with that specific she's um she's lost in the city she doesn't want to um admit that I think to herself and definitely she doesn't want anyone else in the world to know that she's, she's trying to sort of put up that, that air of everything is okay. This is okay. I can figure this out. This is okay. And I think that there are things and moments and times when she's, we, we would talk about it. I said, we knew every single you know moment, but it's like in that moment, she's hungry. She's, you know, she hasn't eaten for, she's, the city streets are loud. It's a particularly cacophonous sort of place that she's in. And I think that she is triggered by this idea that she's lost and she really sort of, that becomes very present. Um, I think that why that reaction is uh, short and doesn't sort of come back, especially with her relationship with Simon, she says this to Simon, who's, who's kind of the person she's able to connect with in the city is she says that because um, he's trying to comfort her and, um, and, and she sort of pulls away and says, don't touch me. And, um, and he doesn't, and he, and he sort of walks her, we see like in the next cut, they're in a much quieter place. And he's like, okay, it's okay. It's a little weird why you seem like you are trying to look for some girl. And she's like, it's not weird. And, and he's like, okay. She's like very defensive. And he's like, okay, let's keep walking. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And so I think it's that this, he, he is, he's a good connector for her. And I think that he is sort of keeping her from going off the rails. And I think later in the movie, when she does sort of start to go off the rails again at the party, she's so desperate for that connection with him again, that when she finds him at the party, she overplays that connection. Um, and, uh, um, but, but yeah, I feel it, I feel it's about, um, it's about that relationship with Simon and that's, that's sort of what is keeping her together. And so I think that the reason that she's not put off by him smoking weed in front of her is because it's him. 
And because, um, and even though you can say, well, it's him touching her. I just think that like, she's in a really bad moment there. And when they're smoking weed, she's seen him be able to stabilize her. And a couple more things that, uh, and I don't want to spend too much time on this. I want to ask you about. So there's so many different things that I was looking at and I'm like, okay, well, don't touch me, but she knows how to steal. Ah, yeah. So all that stuff. She's a vegetarian but she thinks you know what i'm saying like um yeah no this was something that we talked about this was something that we talked about in two sort of ways one is the experience of identity and what we know and what's what we are i mean i don't want to make the movie sound like it's all themes because the movie is a visceral trip you know and i think that we really wanted it to not feel how do you make a movie like this and not be pretentious, right? Like, cause that's my biggest fear is that it would be pretentious. And there's something inherent in the storytelling that, that it, you know, we're seeing a movie about a woman who's lost her memory and we're seeing it from her perspective only. She's in every single scene and there aren't really, uh, and she like turns her head and it's winter and she turns her head and it's summer. So there is something that is enigmatic at, at, you know, about that, that can, you know, hope that could hopefully not sort of veer towards pretension, but, um, but what am I saying? I don't even know. I'm being pretentious. Um, the the we talked a lot. There's two sort of routes there to answer that question. One is what is real in terms of the memory loss. That was something that Vanessa worked a lot on. And and what you have with people who and I don't I'm not an expert on this. And I sort of very purposely didn't want to become. I did. You know I listened to Vanessa about this, but for me it was really this experiential movie, and it's not a movie about a mental illness or anything like that. But you do have people who can forget who they are, but they can instinctively log into their um, email. Uh, they can forget who they are, but they they understand social mores. Like they understand how to, to function in terms of you need to show a ticket to get on, into a movie theater or onto a, a train. And so there is something real about that in, in, in that we, we hit upon, but also it was for us, um, what was this story and where was she, where was she then? And so I do think overall, we have a character who does understand those things. She understands that she needs to urinate. She understands that she needs to eat food. She knows what, um, she knows what the subway is. Um, she's, she's not an, an alien c- completely. It's that she doesn't know where she belongs in all of that. She doesn't know her name, who she is and, um, and, and how to navigate herself, but she can navigate the space around her. And the last thing I wanted to ask you about is a woman comes up to her, says, uh, you know, I love your work. Yeah. She starts asking her about it, whatever. But she doesn't ask her if she can produce the book, can she show her where a book is or whatever, but she knows to go to the library to look for a book that's hers. But she doesn't, at the moment when the woman comes up to her and says, hey, you're the author, and she doesn't, like right at that moment, it would seem, and I'm going to say this word, and you're going to say, Barry, well, that's why it happened. It's not logical. But it would seem logical that I would say, oh, really? Uh, would you mind uh, walking to your place and let me just, yeah, I'll wait outside and just take a look at it or whatever. If you're trying to understand and find out what's happening, you wouldn't, right. you'd have a sense of urgency. You wouldn't, in my mind, you wouldn't wait and then 
go to a library and how do you know what a library is if you don't know what's going on? But I know she goes to the library with him. Yeah, um, she goes to the library with him earlier. She, she, she knows, I mean, we really, we have very strong parameters on this, what she knows and what she doesn't. She knows, she knows what a library is. She knows what a hot dog is. She knows that when the red light means don't go, you know, she's not, she hasn't lost it. She's just lost her own identity. So it has, it's not that she lost her navigation skills or her skill or her ability to talk to people because she's actually quite sort of smooth with uh, that person who comes up to her and, and is making jokes and is saying, you know, oh yes, I am writing a book and sort of is able to bullshit that idea based off of interactions that she's had uh, in the last day or so that she does remember, but her identity and her, her past have sort of been stripped from her. And, and so that's, that's why the other thing is, is this is both, I think, very true in real scenarios and also I think is true for this character that she doesn't know who she is and she doesn't want anyone to know that. Now, people who have lost their memory who go through this sort of experience will say, of course, I wish that I had just been like, hey, I don't remember who I am. Can you help me? But that they're afraid to do that. And so I think that that's, that is sort of the balance that she has. She doesn't have her identity. She doesn't know where she lives. She doesn't know where to go. Uh, she doesn't know who she is, but she doesn't want anyone to know any of that. And that I think is grounded in some truth. And I think is also in an Alice in Wonderland story where you go, well, how did she get down into that? you know, uh, uh, is that it provides us with the dramatic tension of the movie, you know? Um, and so that's, and, and, it, it, and in a movie about connection and being open, um, it creates a, some dilemma for her sometimes with Simon, who is so open and who she wants to be open with. And she's able to be open with in these interview, documentary interview spaces, but how much of that can she show to him? I just wanted to make a, a comment. Obviously, Vanessa, you know, has a body of work. You know, you you create your legends uh, from the work you do. But, you know, Simon, you mm -hmm. know, like, holy shit, man. Yeah. You know, when you find a gem like that as a director, I, I have to share with you, like, it's like I... I feel uniquely qualified to speak about this because I've spent a lot of time in my life finding new and young people. And wow, I just think that, that, and obviously it takes a great director to bring out a great performance, but I just wanted to share with you, uh, not a question, but a statement that's really, really tremendous. I really enjoyed him and the way you wrote for him and the way you directed him. Thank you. Spectacular. And I think it is a very, if I, you know, the movie's the movie. I'm very proud of the movie. Some people catch its wave and really connect with it and love it. And I've been writing these beautiful messages for some people. It's difficult for them to catch the vibration for me. I, I, and I get that for me, I, uh, but I, I but I give it a shot is what I say, but um, I do think it's, it's cool. And I'm, I'm happy that me and my team made this. I am just such a believer in 
in Simon's performance in this movie. I think it's uh, really, really spectacular and pretty unique. And uh, I uh, uh, basically got out of his way and, and let him let him do something that I think was 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 very special and very raw. And I think also a lot of credit for that. And maybe this sounds like I'm giving the right answers. I'm not trying to, but a lot of credit for that also goes to Vanessa, who's really a scene partner and um, is this as different as you could be in terms of the background of what brings them to that room, you know, into that hot dog place where they're doing a scene. And she's just so giving and so just such a great partner for him to, to she can react off of him and he can react off of her so well. But yeah, it was, I mean, I met him when he was performing at this variety show that I was directing. He's a unique character. He's a beautiful soul. Um, we definitely wanted to get him involved in the movie. And then as the rehearsal process was taking place, we were just increasingly like, oh, this is, this, this person is really speaking to the heart of what we're trying to explore in this movie. And this person is going to be able to bring something very honest to uh to, to Cameron and I'll say the actors who see this movie are blown away by him so they should hey everybody I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am if you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business that's why I'm offering you my blueprint for success a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. One, two, Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to okay. mention a few names to you. I want yes, to tell me what comes to mind. All right. Just could be a sentence. Could be a few words. Okay. A story. Okay. Uh oh. I'm so scared. Barry Lyndon. Uh, Barry Lyndon is uh, a Stanley Kubrick movie. I think it is um, the finest. I mean, there's others that could tie for it, but I think it's the finest example of, of movie making um, in terms of craft, in terms of story. Uh, I love it very, very much. And I have a big Barry Lyndon tattoo on my right shoulder. I get a tattoo after every project that I uh, complete. Nicholas Bertel. Uh, Nicholas Bertel is a, is the composer of now, um, along with probably Johnny Greenwood. Um, he's a very, very dear friend of mine. He does, for people who don't know, he does um, Succession. So that that's theme song from Succession. It's obviously sort of a big thing. Um, he does all the music for Succession. He does all the music for the Adam McKay movies. He does Barry Jenkins's work. So he did Moonlight and uh, Beale Street and uh, Underground Railroad. Um, uh, he does big things. He's Cruella and stuff like that. He um, he 
uh, I've known him for 20 something years, 20 years, and he's just a wonderful human being and collaborator. It's such a joy. It's such a joy to work with him. I, these days, the days when I get to work with him, it's just like, wow, I get to go and sit on a couch and watch this guy make music and be like, that's a little bit too dark. Can we, and he's like, <laughs> okay, let's, and just like, and this, and, um, and to see what's happened in his career is so amazing. He's really one of my best friends. And he did he did the music for the first movie and he's done the music for everything. And for this one, um, you know, it's, it's a low budget movie. It's a bigger budget than Give Me the Loop, but it's a lower budget than the movies that he works on. And um, I went to him and I said, look, I want you to know you don't have to do this because I know how busy you are and, and everything. And he was like, I'm insulted. I thought we were going to do everything together. Like, no, no, I want you to. And um, and so he was able to really in sort of a similar way that Vanessa worked on on the movie, which was when I'm available, I'm going to give you my all. Um, we were able to sort of work with him in terms of that. But just incredible artist. And uh, it's really, really exciting to see an incredible artist get their flowers relationships everybody that's what i always say really yeah and but absolutely absolutely team building relationships staying on the music you included a performance by a amazing young artist and i wanted you to talk a little tiny bit within this theme before i go on with some more subjects and names about when you have an oscar winning composer and you have you with your vision, but you want to insert like a performance in the movie somewhere to show one of these teenagers gifts that actually brings out emotions with the words. Will you tell me how you chose her, where you found her and tell us a little bit about the story there? Yeah, um, I, th I think you're referring to Annabelle Hoffman. She has a character named Lucinda in the movie. Um, she sort of, she sings a, a song that's featured in the middle of the movie at this concert setting uh, that sort of puts, is in very entrancing to a, a character from one of Alina's stories. Alina's reading her story at the time. I, I knew Annabelle from this variety show, the same place that I had met Simon. Um, uh, we worked with uh, this, this very, very talented young actor, writer, director. His name's Fred Heckinger. He's a producer on this movie. He's in, uh, the, the thing you may have seen him most is The White Lotus. He plays Steve Zahn's kid in The, in the White Lotus, and he's in a bunch of other stuff that's out and, and about to be. And so I've known him for a while and we were doing this kind of very, very goofy live variety show. And he brought in a bunch of people that he knew who were really talented. He knew uh, Annabelle from the city. He knows a bunch of people. He didn't go to high school with her, but uh, I don't really remember how he knew her. And she came in, we met with her. She was great. And so we gave her a regular role in the variety show. It was a very silly show where we would sort of have a Kind of like a Muppet show thing where you would see the behind the scenes. And so she played the makeup artist who was always trying to sing a song on the show. And every show, uh, Fred says, no, you can't. And by the end of the show, we need someone to sing a song. And so she does. And she's uh, just an incredible, incredible voice, uh, incredible spirit. And so it really was a little bit of like, what do we have here? And if we're going to, one thing that we also said was if we're going to make this trippy sort of experience of a movie, we want to make sure that it's short. It's an 80 minute movie. We want to make sure that it's warm, that it has fun to it. Um, and we, and we should pack it with music. We should really make this something where, um, 
that that it feels that there's a, a, a warm sensory overload to it. And so that all sort of combined together and 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 we um we built we built a little bit of a story around her. Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium. Oh, the Eve Babbitt story. Yes, yeah, so it's just talking about this. Oh my God, it's such an amazing um I love this story. So Eve Babbitts is, is one of my favorite writers. She just recently passed away and she has a story in um, her book, Slow Days, Fast Company. And it is about her being invited to a baseball game by a, by a gentleman. And she knows nothing about baseball and uh, doesn't, uh, it doesn't particularly interest her. And the story is beautiful and it's great story, but it also for me is the story that I would give to somebody who says, why do you love baseball? It captures what I love about baseball in terms of the nature of the game, the crowd experience, everything in a way that's so beautiful and so uh, coming from, from such a beyond a beginner's uh, 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 point of view. There's no, she, she never understands why a ground out is a ground out and a fly out is a fly out. It's so it becomes this sort of poetic, um, and innocent look at the game. I highly, highly recommend that story. We did every opening day. Woody Allen. I was a PA for a bunch of stuff and for, for one of the, I, I PA'd on a couple of Woody Allen movies and then I was brought in to be in like an editing intern. And uh, that was one of the most amazing experiences because I really sat in a room and watched them edit a movie and put this movie together and seeing, I, I think that a lot of the lessons that I learned from that um, were really, really valuable, especially early on, like things that lessons that I, I feel like can take people a long time to get, but just seeing him, I remember seeing him cut a joke from his movie that was so funny. And I think I, I don't, I wasn't really talking to him much, but I think I sort of want to say I said, but somebody said like, why? And he said, look, the joke's funny. Um, but if we cut the joke, we can cut this other four minutes out of this movie that's too long. And really that that four minutes is needed to set up this joke and it's not needed for the movie. And if this movie, which is a comedy, is going to live and die by one joke, it's dead already. And so this idea of him um, not chasing the pretty shot, not chasing every single laugh and really serving the amount that he that he's in the edit room thinking about the audience, I think, was the biggest lesson for me, um, because I think for me, I like to really identify who is the audience for this movie. Sometimes, well, I really usually often pick a specific person and uh, think and, and I'm really in the edit room trying to craft that movie for them. Vanessa Kirby. Oh, my God. I'll talk about baseball with her. Uh, I don't talk about baseball with her. She would have no idea what I was saying, but um, I do use a baseball analogy with her, which is they call uh, um, like really great all-around baseball players, they say, are five tool players, right? And they can run, they can hit, they can the uh, field, they can hit for power or whatever. I forget all the skills. Um, she's that for an actor 
Um, she has every single thing you need. Uh, it's incredible working with her. Somebody said to me recently, was it intimidating? I mean, she was my friend. So that made the process, uh, um, you know, very natural at first, um, you know, instantly, very natural, instantly. So he said to me, oh, was it intimidating? Because, you know, she's a big actress and all that stuff. And the reason she's great is that it's one of the reasons she's great is that it's not intimidating. She's there. She wants to get her hands dirty. She wants to do the work. She's not afraid to try something that will fail. She wants to push. She's, um, she's obviously incredibly beautiful and the camera really picks her up. She is uh, incredibly dedicated to her craft. She has a natural ability. Like if she was a non professional, she would be great. She's willing and open to be directed in all different ways and really encourages that. And that was something I hadn't encountered before um, because I'm very, I want to be very respectful of people's process. She does a ton of research. She can throw that research away. She can lean on that research. She can say to me, let's go out into the streets and I'll improv. She'll say, let's go out into the streets. And if you have a line idea, just yell out the line idea. I'm like, really? That's not it. And she's like, doesn't matter. I can do that. She can be handed dialogue, you know, five minutes before a scene and get, and so she has the, this, this art and this craft and, uh, and it really is, um, it's incredible. Like it is really, really uh, uh, an, an incredible and exciting thing. And I love her very, very, very much. And I love her for saying yes to this, which is a, it's a crazy project, you know, for somebody who's getting offered big, big movies to be like, yep, you don't get a backstory. You don't know what's going on. We're going to throw you on the street. There's this punky kid named Simon um, and uh, go. And she did. She did. Some things you do for the respect and some things you do for the cash. I think that's true. I will say in her credit, I think she really did this because of the process. I think she had seen my work and she knew me and she wanted to have that experience. One of my favorite things is respect outlast cash. Your proudest moment in show business. I don't know. And I'll think about this for a while and I might have a better answer, but I think it was finishing the first feature. We had great, amazing things happen with that movie. Afterwards, we went to Cannes, we had all this like cool stuff, but I think the feeling of, I always had wanted to make direct a feature film and directing a feature film. And it, even it's like, if, even if this doesn't work, like I, I, I've done this thing that I, I really wanted to do. Your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level. Oh man, my biggest disappointment. I don't know. Um, I just have a charmed life. No, um, I, <laughs> I, I think and this is a little raw in its own way. I don't know how to answer exactly. So hopefully I'll get something good here, but it wasn't, it was, it's not a disappointment by any means. My second movie uh, is called Tramps. It's on Netflix. It was uh, the most successful of the three movies and financially um, and the most seen because it's on Netflix. And it, it was bought by Netflix at a moment that was before, um, 
Roma and before Noah Baumbach, before the Irishman, stuff like that. And was, Netflix was figuring out original movies. And I think one of the things that was most difficult for me to navigate was that um, this was so great for this movie. It's a romantic adventure and, and the idea of people, um, well, and it was so, and then having some people in my universe, the sort of indie film world, be like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, like that they felt bad that it was um, not by an indie distributor and in movie theaters and something like that, that it felt like it had turned into a TV movie or something like that. And um, so it was more of a weird experience to navigate because I'm on social media when the movie's released and seeing like teenagers in Indonesia talk about how much they love this movie. And that is incredible to me and incredibly moving and exciting. And then also seeing people be like, it's such a shame about that movie because it deserves something better. And not knowing how to navigate that and wanting to sort of be like, no, you're wrong, but not wanting to like engage and be. And that, that was that was tricky and a tricky moment for me because and maybe this is a bullshit answer because it's it's surrounded by success. But it was sort of like a weird thing to have success but have the people who I want the cool kid points from not think it was a success. What advice do you have for the young person growing up in Greenwich Village, <laughs> not knowing necessarily how it's all going to work out, what's going to happen, and then creating the kind of life that you've created and getting to the point to have the kind of career that you're having? I think that there's a couple pieces of advice and it's, it's trust yourself, trust your gut. Don't worry if things aren't moving fast enough um, is one thing. And then the other thing is show up as much as you can. Um, you know, if that's an internship, if that's, a, you know, if, if we're talking about film, but I think it probably relates to any of the arts and probably most things in general, but it's like, um, show up, show, go to movies, um, you know, go, go work on, I worked on people's terrible short films as a PA, you know, uh, um, work, work when you can, um, if you're, if you can't. And I, I had times when I look back and I'm like, I was not working as much as I should have been. Um, uh, and that can be okay too, but always sort of engage in, in, in what you want to be doing and keep pursuing it. And then that's the sort of like dream big, like kind of non-specific, but I think the specific is find your people. Um, the more people that you can find that want to do the things that you want to do that will wake up in the morning and no one is going to care about your movie as much as you are ever. But if you can find people who believe in your project or believe in your art in any sense and um, will show up for it and want to help it and create it with it and have a voice in it um, and are talented, hold on to those people, work with those people, be very open and honest with those people. Um, and that can mean producers, that can mean managers, that can mean actors, that can mean uh, composers. And, uh, and I think that um, what you, what I've found is when I look at the people who are like that, that I've held on to since I was say 25, 26 years old, um, a lot of them have become very successful in terms of the outside world. I think all of them are successful. Um, 
you don't know who's going to get what when, when that award is going to go to whomever, who's going to have the hit movie first, who's going to do whatever. But but if you have your people and you and you and you all are sort of in sync, um, that's both very fulfilling and exciting, and I think also can lead to career. What that career means in terms of money, what that career terms in, in terms of esteem can depend. But um, I think it can lead to a career. I definitely want people to integrate it in their own way. I don't think that there is a specific message. Ultimately, I think um, I feel so blessed to be able to do what I do. Uh, I think that there is this sort of return, uh, which is I want to make an experience for the audience, um, whatever that audience is. Uh, and it can be a movie that's geared to 12 year olds or a movie that's, you know, whatever. But I want to make an experience for an audience that's entertaining, that's um, uh, challenging in a good way, that's that's good, that that you know is 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 worthwhile. And so ultimately, that's what I hope. I hope people walk out of this movie, which is its own kind of experience, and have that, have a little bit of a trip, have have feelings, have their mind racing about things, and feel that that, that they were very happy that they spent the eighty minutes with this story and. Um, and 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 that that it stays with them in some way that's positive. Um, so that's that's the sort of broad thing for everything. And and for this, I mean, yes, I feel like people have taken. I had somebody the other night say to me, um, for about half the movie, I was convinced that she was the dog. That it was that you were gonna in the that you were going to like take take us back at some point in the movie and realize like oh when she's in the hot dog place it was actually a dog going into the hot dog place and like Simon takes care of her this is a wild theory on this movie that like but I love that I love that somebody took that and I can see it I can understand why their brain would go that way and why they would sort of grab onto that and so um, so that's cool and then somewhere in the half middle of the movie he he said I realized that wasn't it. I went with what it was, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, in some ways I want the audience to have a trip. You like to create an experience for your audience and you just created an extraordinary experience for my audience. And you say that you're blessed, but not to be corny, but I feel blessed to meet you. It's an honor. And my audience is going to be blessed when they hear this and you're, you're a wealth of knowledge, you're an inspiration and you let people know through this interview that everything and anything is possible through hard work, showing up and relationships. And I'm, I'm, I'm just so grateful that you, you came on and it was a pleasure meeting you. And I hope to talk with you again sometime. Thank you so, so much. I loved it. Thank you for being open and, and all that. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money Drop that fancy car You're going far Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over Till it all feels the same You picked your own poison Did 
Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to BarryCats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever.